You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Good morning. It is great to have you guys here. Uh, I know that there's probably some other things that you have on your agenda and to your to-do list. Uh, there's a lot more red in the audience than usual for some reason. Uh, but, uh, well, they turned off our red stage lights. They were red too. All right, not that that was intentional or anything. Uh, but today is going to be a fun day. Today is an exciting day uh, on a lot of different levels. Uh, but most of all, just because we get to be here and worship God and be in our presence and continue to go through this series of cultivating our faith. Because, you know, that is really what we are after that's what we are striving for as a church of growing together and expanding our faith and deepening our roots in our faith and, and being able to take those steps of faith that God wants us to in our lives both individually and hopefully collectively as a church also as we do the things that God has given us a heart for and the mission that he has placed in front of us. Uh, last week we kind of uh, hit another angle of cultivating our faith. We've talked about several different ones through this series all a little bit different perspective on the same idea of cultivating our faith and that God is a God of miracles. And he does miracles in different ways. He uh, appreciates us and our faithfulness and he responds in different ways. And last week we talked about being committed in our faith and that when we are committed, we experience a level of faith that is unique and deeper than a lot of other ones. And today we are going back to that phrase of, you know, looking at our faith. And in Hebrews 11:1, 1, it asks this. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance of what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. Uh, there's some of us who uh, are teetering on that border of uh, believing in things that we can't see. If I was to ask you, do you have faith that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win today? Some of you may say, yes, I have a complete, full assurance that I, even though I don't see the result, I have this assurance that they are going to win. Where some of you may, who are cheering for the Eagles, uh, you may have a 100% faith or confidence that they are going to win. Uh, is that possible? According to the definition, of faith? Probably not. One of you uh, is probably more hoping than having faith. And I think that is a little bit different in our definition of, of faith is this assurance of what is going to happen. It's not this hope. It's not this, uh, 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 you know, really this deep appreciation or, or, you know, again, going back to that hope. It's not a hope that's going to happen. Faith is an assurance that it is going to happen. So when we have faith in God, it's not just a hope. It's not just a dream. It is more than that. It is an assurance according to God. And if we, you know, going back and this is, you know, completely ad-libbing, but most of us have seen that movie. Uh, I think it was Back to the Future, right? Michael J. Fox. Which one did he go into the future and got like all the sports betting stuff? Uh, number two, all right? So in that one, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but is it Buzz? Buzz has a complete assurance. He has a fa Biff. Okay, it's been probably 20 years since I watched that movie. All right, I can't even remember names after people tell me for 30 seconds, right? Uh, so Biff has that assurance because he has that sports book. He knows what's going to happen, and he uses that to his advantage. He uses it to change his life, to uh, impact the future, right? And really, when we have a faith in God, we can too have that. 
And when we have our faith cultivated, when we have that assurance that God is going to do the things that He's going to do, and we've talked about the promises that God makes, when we have that assurance that God is going to do what He promises, it changes our life. It changes our outcome. It changes the success that we can experience as we live out our lives, as we make decisions, as we make choices. You know, as we go through life in as we understand what faith is, again, it's that confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. Not things that might happen. Again, that's hope. It's what will happen, and that truly is faith. Faith is a way of seeing things differently than someone who might just hope for something to happen. Some people would say, especially from Missouri, you know, one of the things that we have as our tagline growing up as kids, it, it, Missouri is the what state? Show me state. All right. So in there, is that a faith or a hope, right? Uh, it is not much of a faith because we don't have faith in the things that people are telling them. They came back and they doubted. They questioned. They didn't have faith that what people said about was going to happen is true. And so there was always this doubt, and you know, maybe as Missourians, there's always that attitude that is ingrained or we're taught to have, is that show me attitude. I'm not going to believe until you show me. Seeing is believing. And you know, truly in our world today, I think most of that has permeated our culture, right? We're not going to actually believe something until we see it. And with the advent of technology and all the photoshopping, even now the things that we see, we can't always believe, right? And it's a sad state that we can't even believe the things that we say. And so as we struggle with our faith, as we are challenged with it, most people want to see before they believe. I think that's oftentimes the case for some people who are waiting to take a step in faith in God. They are waiting to see God in a new light, in an assured way, in a way that their faith is validated. You know, if they can't see it, then it's challenging for a lot of them to believe the things that the Bible says. You know, if they can't see that Jesus walked the earth, well, how do we know he really did that? If we can't see the life and his teachings, how do we know that he really taught that? If we can't see that, you know, him dying on the cross and resurrecting, can we really believe that? We have a lack, our culture has this lack of faith of what the Bible says and whether it's true. And oftentimes, it's not until we see God in a personal way that we truly believe. And so that is one of the struggles and one of the challenges that it comes to our personal faith, right? Sometimes we have those doubts. Sometimes we have those questions. Sometimes we have a strong hope that God is going to do something. But to have a complete sold-out faith and assurance that God is going to do something takes another level in our walk, in our trust, in our belief, in our way that we read the Word and we apply it to the things that we do. You know, in our world, there is more than enough evidence that God is real, that we can have faith in Him. And when we truly see that, we see things differently, and we are able to see the evidence of God who is everywhere. God is the creator, and He says that He has left His mark everywhere. And as we look at our lives, as we look at our, the choices that we want to make, as we look at the steps that we're going to take in our life, we can have a full assurance. We can truly have faith that God is who He says He is. 
And when we do that, God tells us this in his passages. In Ephesians 1.18, it says in a translation, the NJB, it says, May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. And that's something that I want us to focus on. And I know that's worded a little bit differently than the NIV, uh, where it talks about the heart. But I think that the heart and the mind are similar in this idea. And I think that the way that we see things is impacted in that way. You know, we see things in two different ways, typically, right? Or can see things in two different ways. We can see things physically. And most of us are looking at something right now. We can see things physically. We can look at God's Word. We can see the verse up there. And so God has given us ability of seeing with our physical eyes, but we also have another way of seeing, another way of interacting, another way of experiencing God that isn't physical, but it's in the mind's eye. There's this spiritual awareness, there's this spiritual vision, there's this spirituality that goes with our mind and our hearts. And even though we can't always see that physically, we're given examples throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, that there is this mental vision over and over that God uses to help us see things. And how we use that is very important and indicative and impactful in the way that we go about living our lives. You know, some people will only believe something that they see physically, and if it's a spiritual vision, then there's a lot of doubts, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of putting that off. But when we read Scripture, God tells us that we can have faith, that that, what we see in our mind's eye, is also true. That there are things that we can dream about, there's things that we can envision, there's things that God will put before us that will enable us to have faith in God. You know, it's not uncommon reading through the Old Testament of having people who have these visions that come true. You know, some of the heroes of the Bible, like Joseph, like Daniel, their lives are impacted greatly by the things that they see in their mind's eye and in these visions. And they have faith that what they see, the things that they hear, is from God. But for the other people, they have to really see the results before they believe that they saw those things. In Joseph's life, there's that constant struggle of, and that battle, right, of the things that he sees and projects versus the realities of what other people see physically. Joseph has that dream that his brothers are going to bow before him, and his brothers are like, nope, that's not happening, and so they try to get rid of him, right? They go and they sell him off and perpetuate God's vision even further, and he is one of those people who has that close personal relationship with God, and those visions that he has dictate the way that things happen and play out physically. And so we can have trust, we can have faith that there are two different ways that we can see things, physically and spiritually. And that oftentimes is wrapped up in how much we hope for something. There are times that we struggle again with our hope. We hope that the things that we see are going to impact our lives. In our mind's eye, it says again, going back, that we can see the hope that his, that his calling holds for us. And I think that is important, that we have a hope for the calling that God holds for us. You know, that is one of the challenges, that is one of the struggles as we live our, our lives, as we try to take those steps of faith, as we try to have that assurance of God that He is, has a calling for us that he has a purpose for us, that he is holding something special for us to experience. 
And sometimes that's one of the greatest battles is trying to truly see what God wants to do in us and through us and being able to see forward the things that God is going to do that will impact the choices that we make right now in our lives. God may put us a vision in front of us that you are going to be someone that, that reaches out to a, a missionary or someone who is going to start a ministry or someone who is going to support something. We, we have these visions that God puts in front of us. We have these things that we project towards the future. And, and sometimes we need that assurance that, you know, there is, it isn't uncommon to read in scriptures that people are doubting the things that God is pointing them to. You know, people who, like Gideon, who put out those different fleeces. God, is that really you who's telling me this? I'm not really sure that this is the calling. Do you really want me to be leading? Do you really want me to eliminate half of the army to go and fight the Philistines, right? And there's this constant, that is something that is very relatable for us, is that when God puts a calling on our lives, sometimes we don't have complete faith that we are hearing it right, that we're seeing it right, that we are envisioning it right. God, truly, you're not calling this for me. You know, someone who didn't do that was Paul, right? Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul, and he was going around and he was persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing the right thing, but then he had an interaction with Jesus, this vision where God says, you know what, you think this is your calling, but let me tell you, I have another calling for you. And so in a period of three days as he is in darkness and is in prayer and is in a community and actually receives these visions from Jesus, he understands who Jesus is, he understands who God is, and even though he can't physically see, he sees spiritually without a doubt the calling that God has on his life. And so he starts to alter. He comes out of that place and other people see physically who Paul or Saul was and they have these doubts. There is a lack of faith that he has truly been changed spiritually. The things that they can't see, has his heart really been changed? Is he just trying to trick us to kill us? And so there was some questions. There was a lack of faith that he had truly received a different calling from God. But Jesus truly had appeared to him. He had this vision, and God lays out this calling in his life to change his direction, to change his purpose, to change his plan. And Paul comes out of that with this new vision that is bigger than anything Paul could have imagined, leading people to Jesus, sharing his testimony in front of royalty, being shipwrecked, being bitten by a snake, going to Rome and impacting not only just prisoners, not only impacting soldiers, but impacting potentially the empire. It changed history by him being called and he, he had to have faith in that. He had to believe that where God was going to send him, where God was calling to him, this new direction in his life, that he was going to step, take those steps of faith. And it must have been hard at first when no one would believe, when no one would buy in, where he was being rejected. And the first time he had his life threatened, God, is this really what you want me to do? But he had faith that God's calling on his life was truly that. And he had his life, his new faith, built on a great dream of reaching and teaching others about who Jesus was, what he came to accomplish, and what he could do to change their lives, just as his life had been changed too, that he was the Messiah. And that was the mission that he was called to by God that changed everything. 
It changed every mission. It changed every church that he went into, every letter that he wrote. And we are still changed and challenged by the truth that he was altered by. He aspired to cultivate their faith. And we can still read those words and be cultivated by that too. And our faith can be strengthened by the example of Paul. We can be strengthened by the teachings and we can be assured and have faith that the things that he wrote were truly from God. So Paul was a great example of that, that great lives are built on great dreams. He had the dream that God put before him to change the world. It was a great dream, and his life was great in that. He was willing to do that, and he discovered that he was able to do things probably that surprised himself. He had self-doubt. He had self-questions. Am I really the person? Can God really use somebody who has my flaws? Can God really use someone who has my history? Can God really use someone who has my stature, who has my limitations? But God used him, and through that faith, he was able to have a great life built on the great dreams that God revealed to him. I think that is something that we all can believe in, that God has something bigger for us than we oftentimes believe for ourselves. God wants to do great things through all of us and that they are given to us through great dreams. When we have that assurance, when we have the faith that God is going to do those things in us and through us, sometimes there are things that we can't see physically and we have to trust that the things we see spiritually that God puts in front of us are true. And we need to respond to those, react to those, and be changed by those Oftentimes, people don't see what's going to happen in the future. We can hope for those things, but sometimes that assurance is limited. You know, it's interesting to look back on people's lives and see where they thought they would be. I think we can all look back at maybe our fifth grade year or or maybe our senior year, and you look and project, what did you think you were going to be? What did you think maybe was God even in the picture at that time, or was he a distant, you know, something that you didn't believe in at all? Looking back at your life as, as a younger person, what did you think God was going to do? What dreams did you have? Uh, and it's interesting to see how our dreams sometimes play out. You know, I was looking back at, at, and I came across this tweet uh, that, you know, again, there's a big game today, right? So Patrick Mahomes, something that he tweeted, talking about dreams, something that he tweeted when he was 17 year old, so he was like, what, a junior or a senior, uh, had not received a college football scholarship at this point, but he said this in a tweet at 17, I'm going to go to Disney World after winning the Super Bowl. So I bet it feels amazing to be the quarterback who says that. And he kind of, you know, at that point, I'm sure a lot of people who, uh, he probably had like five followers at that point, right? Uh, His five followers, are you really going to be able to do that? There was probably some doubt. It was just a hope in his mind. But as he, uh, you know, and he didn't even remember tweeting this himself. And after he read, won the Super Bowl, somebody reminded that he had tweeted this out. And it was amazing to kind of see that faith that played out in his life that it actually came into existence. Most of us probably don't have that opportunity. The things that we dreamed about becoming in high school probably weren't going to happen. Most, most people at that age probably don't have a lot of faith that the things that they dream about at that age, the things that they're tweeting about are actually going to happen. 
Most people didn't believe in Mahomes at that point. Uh, if you would have asked most his high school coaches, or his pro mom probably believed, but college coaches hadn't really offered a lot of scholarships. He, uh, you know, the people in the NFL had doubted who he was going to be, even though, uh, even if he was going to be drafted at one point. Uh, and also, people doubted whether that was going to happen, whether he was going to be the Super Bowl winning quarterback, even up until the third quarter of his first Super Bowl. But Mahomes dreamed of greatness, and that greatness comes from a belief in himself. And he constantly, one of the neat things and things I love about Mahomes is that he attributes this, and he has a great faith in God. He always acknowledges that God is the reason he's in the places that he's at. He prays before every game, and I'm sure he still prays after every game, right? And his faith is integrated in his work ethic. It's integrated in his success that he feels like he is doing something that God has given or called him to do, and he's making the most of that to share that message. And so at the end of the game and after wins, he typically credits God for him being there. This is an example of someone who had a calling on their life, uh, and I don't know at what point that happened for him, it, when it became a hope to it became a faith in what God was going to do through him. But he is an example of the fact that even on the biggest stages of our sports spectrum, God is at work in people's lives. God is using people to share his message, to spread his truth, to help other people believe that living a life of faith is something that is okay, that is encouraged, and is something that is acceptable. And as we go through our lives, as we uh, uh, try to attain our faith, as we struggle and maybe are challenged in that, we can be reminded of verses like we looked at. And this can really be a prayer that may God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. I hope that is a prayer for you and that you pray this over other people, that God would enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. God can enlighten things in our lives. He can light up things. He can touch parts of our lives. He can show us and reveal things in our lives that nobody else knows. People can see some things with their physical eyes, but God is the one who truly sees with spiritual eyes. And he has a plan for us. He has a hope for us. He has a dream for us. He has a vision for us. God's purpose and plan for our lives is different than what most people will say. But have no doubt and have faith that God has a calling for your life. And I think understanding that, and it's hard to believe that sometimes, as we look around and see where we're at, as we struggle with the choices that we're wrestling with, as we're maybe in a place where we never thought we would be, or we're struggling to be consistent in our spiritual walk. Maybe we're at a place that it's dry. Maybe we're at a place where we really aren't connecting with God the way we thought we were. Maybe we haven't had that bold vision like Paul has. But wherever you're at, I want to assure you that God does have a calling for you. And sometimes we miss that calling, not because of God, but because of us. I think one of the main reasons that we miss God's calling is because we're following our own dream instead of God's dream. We can get off track. We can miss the mark. We can end up in a place that God really doesn't want us to because we followed our own dream some people take that long way around, right? Some people take that, that uh, scenic route. God is always waiting for us, 
But really, the times that we miss the calling is oftentimes because we're following our own dreams instead of God's dreams. God does have dreams for us. It's up to us, and really it comes down to whether we're interested in following that dream. If we are going to have faith in that dream, if we are going to be confidently assured that God wants us to do certain things, and that really that's something that God can reveal to you. I can't tell you. I can show you and talk about the physical traits that I see. But in your mind's eye is where you are truly able to interact with God and be able to pray and seek His will. It's you who has to connect with Him. It's you who has to go deeper in your faith. It's you who has to maybe, like Paul, lock yourself away for a few days and really seek His will to truly go to Him and be asking those questions of what God wants you to do with it, your life. I can remember that point in my life where I, had, I was doing that, where I was really seeking God's guidance. And I asked him over and over again, God, what do you want me to do? And it wasn't this vision that I received, but it was through conversations that I had where God would use different people to speak into me, to share with me, to connect with me. And it was through that and in those moments where maybe they were saying something physical, I had a spiritual response that God wanted me to do that or to do this and that calling of where to go. And, you know, that has always been the case in my life, that God uses the spiritual things to guide, to lead, to point me to where he wants me to go. And I always am praying that God would show me the things that he wants. And so that would be my prayer for you is that you are seeking the calling in your life. If you're still questioning what that is, it's not too late to continue to seek what God wants you for your future, what for your finances, for your family, for your ministry, for your career, to impact the life and to impact the lives of those around you. Paul was quite a ways into his professional career before God got a hold of him, before he truly connected with God and everything changed direction. And if you want true significance in your life, if you want true satisfaction in your life, if you want true fulfillment in your life, that's what we have to do. We have to stop following our dreams of our lives and start following God's dreams for our lives. And that's when we'll truly find fulfillment, where we will find satisfaction, where we will find peace and understanding. And we'll be able to have those aha moments of like, yes, this is what God wants me to do. This was what I was created for. This is what I'm called for. I know why I'm alive. I know my purpose. And if you can imagine your calling, if you can imagine God's dream for you, then that's when we truly start living. I think we should be consistently recalling that. You know, even as Paul was going on his missionary journeys, he consistently prayed and asked God, what's next? Where's my next stop? Where do you want me to go? And as he's going from town to town, he's praying about the timing of things. He's praying about the mission of, that's in front of him. And he was in that process consistently asking God to direct, to guide, and help him find that next step to help him fulfill that next mission that he had in store for him. I think in our lives, in our hearts, in our, our mind, we oftentimes struggle with when to step forward, when to take that next step. Is it really now or is it later that we're supposed to do that? And I think sometimes we can get paralysis by analysis, right? We overanalyze things that God maybe wants to do and we don't do anything at all. 
And, you know, in our lives and in our uh, hope and in the examples of scriptures, we find an example of someone who took a step of faith that was seemingly daring. And it was actually very daring and kind of some people would say dumb, right? And if you're talking about people who make dumb decisions, then you're usually talking about who in the Bible? Anybody want to take a guess? Peter. Peter is, yeah, he's the always, guy, always the guy who makes those dumb choices. And as we're looking at this text in Matthew 14, 28 and 29, some people will say, Peter, you're being dumb again. And we look at this, and this is the moment where there's a storm, and Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter sees him, and he makes this dumb decision, right? A seemingly dumb decision. Uh, he sees God physically, and he trusts God spiritually. He says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. It turned out that it wasn't that dumb. It was daring for this dreamer to step forward. And you know, in our churches and in our lives, we see as you look at people who are in faith or in relationship or children of God, we kind of can classify them in two different places. We have Christians in the church who are boat sitters, and we have people who are maybe more water walkers, right? We have the boat sitters or the water walkers, or another word is dreaders and dreamers. Dreaders say, uh, no, we shouldn't do that. We can't do that. That is dumb. You should not step out in that faith. What are you doing? You can't walk on water. Jesus barely can, right? And you have sin in your life, and they probably have all these doubters, these dreading what is going to happen. All right, start throwing out the net and the life jacket because Peter's going down, right? I'm not going after him. He's just dumb. But he, Peter is this dreamer, and he's willing to have faith. He trusts in Jesus. If Jesus says, come, then I am going to come. I don't care what physics say. I don't care what I have experienced every other time I've tried to step on water in my life. If Jesus says I can do it, then I am going to do it. I believe in that dream. I believe that Jesus has that in store for me. And even though I'm in a nice, comfy little boat that I know will hold me up, I want to get out and experience something that I never have and nobody else has either. I know that I can start walking on water. Thanks for the ride, guys, but I'm going. Jesus is walking, and I want to go to him. He takes that step of faith, and, uh, you know, he is able to become this water walker, and he's able to have his faith filled. And everybody else is probably amazed, and they just shut their mouth and watch Peter as he go. They might laugh a little when he starts to sink again, right? Yeah, I was right, but Jesus does save him and helps rescue him and bring him back to that point. You know, in our church, we always have that option of whether we want to dread the things that are to come, to dread the steps of faith that might be in store for us, or are we going to be the dreamers who are willing to step out of the boat and take those steps of faith because God is calling us to do them. Dreamers are viewed as dangerous people to the dreaders. They're always rocking the boat. There's always something better that has caught their attention than they've refused to be satisfied without it. But God is looking for people who dare to dream, who will see him outside of the boat of traditional church or Christianity and will get out and walk to him. Peter is the only disciple who literally walked on water with Jesus. They all could have, but the rest of them were satisfied to watch from the safety of the boat. They had more faith in the boat than they did in Jesus. And we can't be too quick to criticize them because most of us probably would have done the same thing. 
But God calls us to dream. He calls faithful followers to do things that don't make sense, where we have to have that faith and that assurance that God is going to do things. God is willing to do miracles in our lives when we have faith that He will do those. As a church, I want to know that we are people who are willing to dream, who are willing to step out of the boat and do the things that God wants us to do, even though it doesn't always make sense. I want us to cultivate our faith and be people who are doing and experiencing miracles because God is calling you to do something and you're willing to go out and do it, even though it doesn't make sense to the other people that are in the boat with you. When we're willing to step out in dangerous waters that God calls us to, we experience miracles. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, We set our eyes not on what we see, but on the things that we cannot see. And what we see only lasts a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. We are called to discover God's dreams in our lives. God has a dream and a calling for each of us. Are you willing to step out and ask that question of what's next? What's that next step that God wants me to take? And when we do that, then we can experience miracles. We experience God in a lot of different ways. We can read the Bible. We can, you know, there's a book that's called Sacred Pathways. If you are unfamiliar with the way that you connect with God, I would encourage you to read that. There's nine different ways that they propose that people connect with God. Some people do it through reading scripture. Some people do it through worship. Some people do it through nature. Some people do it through relationships. Some people do it through, uh, you know, different things. But sometimes we need to go and experience God to see and understand the calling that he has on our life. When we are able to do that, then we understand what God has planned for us. With that sacred pathway to him. Discover and spend some time figuring out what God's dreams are for you, what your calling might be. And again, in that moment, in that time, in that pursuit, have this prayer. What's next? God, what do you want me to do next? You might not always get that answer physically, but there is a spiritual response that God will give you, a dream that he wants you to, to create, a mission that he wants you to fulfill a boat that he wants you to step out on. That's when we truly are able to have faith and we trust in the places that God wants us to go. So dare to dream and connect with God and be praying constantly to him, what's next? Let's pray. Lord, I just lift up our church you know, as we ask that question collectively and individually, God, what's next? Lord, I ask that you will help reveal that to us. You know, there's always questions about what's happening now. But you are always looking forward to the future. And you know the future better than any of us. Lord, help reveal to us. Help show us what you want us to do. Lord, give us your vision. Give us our hope. Give us your help. Lord, help us to be in tune with your spirit. Help us to be in tune with you. Lord, help us to take those steps when it doesn't always make sense. Help us to have the assurance that you are there to guide us, to lead us to help us. Lord, we want to be a church that follows after you, that does crazy things for you. In Jesus' name, amen.